Hi, I'm Michael Etchens from Excess. Thank you very much for coming backstage with Access All Areas, okay? Hope you have a good time. Welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Welcome to another episode. Uh, we're doing our second track uh, for all of our listeners who uh, are getting the second of our deep dive of five great, pivotal, iconic, in excess songs. And this is going to be a little bit like a, a, a sort of a 30-minute lunch break for people today with this little episode. Probably will be our shortest episode we've ever done, B. Is that right? I think so. I'm <laughs> very excited to do this. Better fan. Yeah. So a bit of a waffle about us as always, but we're really highlighting the uh, the tracks of excess and want to just basically go out to our audience and even the wider audience out there who uh, aren't as familiar with the history about five tracks that had real pivotal effects on NXS's career and to this day are probably fan favourites, uh, albeit some in different regions of the world. But today we are going to be talking about the iconic song, uh, the shapeshifter at the time of the one thing. I know, I know. And come on, tell the tell the um, listeners what you said to me earlier. Oh, well, they mentioned to me this other day as one of the songs, and my first reaction was, no, 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 no. Here's an interesting thing about the one thing. Um, I've never seen it played live, and I've seen it excess about 25 times. So it, it is a song that reminds me a bit in their catalogue of U2's Gloria, which was, weirdly enough, they're one of their bigger sort of early hits or groundbreaking songs that got them airplay in America. And I compare this song not so much on the sonics, but just on the impact at the time that Gloria got U2 a bit of traction, whereas The One Thing got in excess a lot of traction and became a hit and paved the way. But it was over time sort of something that maybe it's just a strength of their catalogue that uh, they stopped playing live mm. in the late 80s, et cetera, there. And, you know, it was very rarely played live thereafter. Not to diminish the value of the song, but um, it is sort of a bit of a lost one. But as you accurately pointed out, uh, a very sort of very relevant one that obviously uh, it's has important. Had a, yeah, it's very very important. important, and it's very important that we have it in our first nuggets of um, <laughs> we've had French fries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. So, look, like we like to do, a little bit of backdrop at the time. Uh, this was the very first song that uh, our friend of the podcast, valued patron Mark Opitz, uh, produced, and I don't think it was necessarily an exercise where he was going to go and uh, basically produce the whole album, but the success of it, and uh, I guess. Mark's uh, expertise lent itself to uh, great results. Uh, I think Chris Murphy, after unsecuring international expansion through the deluxe label, was looking at WEA as a likely home for NXS. And because they couldn't get, you know, international interest with Deluxe, you know, getting Mark Opitz involved uh, down at Paradise Studios was sort of seemingly a way that they could sort of uh, get a foray, uh, hopefully into an international sort of contract there. Actually, before um, you go on, did you yeah. see that there were some photographs that Philip Mortlock actually um, put on his W, where are WEA? I reposted them onto our page. They're awesome. Of the signing of uh, when they moved from Deluxe, 
really candid shots of all of the band members. Yes. Yeah, no, that was great. And I think with the charter here, I think uh, on a prior episode, Mark had said he actually uh, produced this song and he produced, I think, Johnson's Aeroplane that didn't make it onto Shabu, went on to the next album and one other one. Um, but uh, I think the one thing uh, was the one that uh, Chris was able to sort of, you know, use as a signature tune to get, you know, signings of in excess within the Atlantic sort of group and then obviously overseas through, you know, Japan and Asia and New Zealand and different things and, and even mm. into Europe as well through with Polygram. Uh, it was a very significant song in that sort of backdrop. Um, it ended up making it to number 14 domestically here in Australia, which again was their highest charting song. Uh, for me, at that sort of moment in my life, it was um, where music was becoming sort of more of a forefront in my mind. And I remember the video clip and it was really the first, like I knew NXS a little bit, but it was the first time I really took notice of them yeah. on a deep on a deeper level at that age. In America, a song actually made it to the top 30 and we all know on the back of that MTV era and uh, the clip itself we'll talk about later, but uh, definitely helped the song, didn't it, B? Oh, yeah, the, the banquet. Definitely led the album to, uh, you know, getting some of the traction in America and touring, et cetera, there. So, look, we know it was an iconic song. We know it got uh, the band touring in America. It got them doing, you know, 250, 300,000 sales around the time of the album and another couple of hundred thousand since. You know, it really changed their lives. It allowed them to go and make a living overseas and open up many, many doors that, uh, you know, followed from there. So, Without further ado, we will get into and break down the iconic song, which is The One Thing. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Well done, Hayden and B. You've made my brothers and I very proud of what you've achieved so far. A big hello to all your listeners and NXS fans. Welcome down to town, US town, in excess. The first 23 seconds of this, Timmy Farris. Bam. <laughs> it, is, it is a full-on rock and roll assault. And the Timmy Farris guitar riff, uh, looking down the barrel of the camera in his red top, uh, it screams all rock and roll. Using that guitar, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. As a real metaphor. But, uh, Very um, much so. Yeah, and look, I think you know. Again, we it's worth mentioning. You know, Mark Opitz. You know, what a what a great song and, and a production method. I think he said to us he was trying to get away, get all the little bleeps and the funny little arty yeah. farty sort of flourishes off the first uh, album or two, um, just out of the production style. You know, I think the song itself maybe originally had a few of those things, and he just I think leaned it up where it was a really solid guitars, and as we're about to see, a real sort of solid intro into the vocals uh, with Michael. Uh, it is worth noting in the first part of the song in the clip is that the band are sitting at a table or dressed in tuxedos, enjoying a banquet with some very fine-looking ladies, B. I'd say, and they're drinking their fine wine and there's lots yes. of lovely fine food and it's all yes. very um, together. And even the cats are having, even the cats seem to be having a good well, time. They, the cats aren't there just yet. Okay. Well, or I just. we say I, the pussy cats aren't I think there. one went across screen, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, we will start there. We'll get straight into Michael's vocal now. Well, you know just what to do Oh, 
Now, for the listeners who don't know, B is laughing ahead off this <laughs> next 20 couple of seconds there. But you said the words, it is rather naughty. It is risque, isn't it? It's the video very clip. risque. I mean, the way that she handles those, um, are they avocados? Or- <laughs> I don't know. Ki- ki- kiwi fruit or plums? Uh, a couple of plums, yes. Yes. And then um, then the fig comes out and she's yes. devouring into that. Oh, my God. Yes. yes. It's hot. Now, it's a hot. Now, <laughs> Now, in this particular clip, there is a very famous Australian model from the late 70s called Karen Pinney, who was literally mm. the pin-up girl of all things. And uh, the director is, as well, of the film clips, a person called Soren Jensen. And uh, that particular person actually worked on the show called The, uh, the Young Doctors, which Karen was on. There is a young Michelle Bennett in the clip. Yes. Uh, and there is obviously uh, Michael dressed in, I think, in his grey sort of suit there, mm. staring down the camera with the very first time, I reckon, that... He has sold sexuality down the lens. Is that fair? Oh, my God, yeah. And that lyric, the way you move soft and slippery. Oh, my God. As his head is between the stocking cladded legs. Yes, (laughs) yes. It's just all out, isn't it? And well, this is just the intro. <laughs> but you know what I, but, but you know, being a bloke and in touch with his manhood, you know, I really love just the way it cuts into Timmy, you know, with his really lead heavy guitar, which is, uh, mm. which is good. So yeah. something in it for the guys and something in it for the ladies. I okay. Reckon. Yes. All right. Shall we continue? Uh, yeah. I'll just have All a glass right. of water. Okay. Okay. second slice there where Michael is, is sort of parading around the table there. Uh, we've just come off the chorus uh, and then we've come into what in existing great, and I reckon Mark Opitz was part of this helping the song structures, is their ability to come off a chorus and then hit the next verse, different lyrics, really hard, Yeah, was always a bit of a, a pinnacle for them. I always just felt that in excess, not only were a great chorus band, they were a great verses band. And any song has a great, uh, you know, uh, verse, then a chorus, and then uh, a, a middle eight, you know, played into it. Um, you know, can't fail. And and I think this is again just showed that strength and maturity in songwriting. Mm. Now, B, you mm. look a bit more primal there. You look like you're already having a cigarette after that first minute <laughs> and a half. Okay, share us your thoughts. Great right one. Yes. Um, I love how he elongates his, uh, the, the vocals for the chorus mm. and then he mm. slides in and he's wearing his mum's hat. Did he you is. know that is his mum's hat? Yes. I, ha- I have to laugh when I look at that now. In Australia, there's a funeral company called White Lady Funerals. Yes. Oh, I know. You can say. Doesn't the hat look like someone in the White Lady Funerals ads? Well, I've <laughs> got to also say there is a place in England called Blackpool and you yes. used to go up there and they used to have hats and they were just like that and it used to say, I'm 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 in Blackpool and it was a hat like that. Yeah. The, the things that make me laugh from the video is um, Tim's blusher. Oh, my God. They went to town on his blusher and then him dropping the bread roll. I'm glad they kept that in. That's hilarious. Well, I must say, you know, being a guy, I don't really 
notice he's wearing blush. Is that right? Oh, he- yeah. You'll look now and you'll go, oh, my goodness. Yes, it's nice and purple. But, yes. um, yeah, he's trying to look cool and then he drops his, um, he catches it, but he drops yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We will get into the next part. As the verse rolls into the chorus there, we then get our first real proper look at Kirk without the glasses doing a big sax solo from the floor. A solo Uh, with a rollo. (laughs) A rollo? (laughs) Well, he's rolling on the floor, isn't he? He is, he is, yeah. No glasses or sunglasses there. I think he might have Uh, a bit of bleach in his hair as well. He's looking a bit blondie. Correct, correct. You know, I always think Kirk looked like a young Stefan Edberg, the Swedish tennis player. Mm. Uh, Side note there, but uh, Kirk wouldn't mind that because Stefan was a good-looking rooster. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, thinking back to first couple of albums in excess, there was obviously some saxophone flourishes, but this is probably one of the pivotal first moments that Kirk got some real hang time, some real air time with his saxophone. And he uh, goes for yeah, it. And he goes for it, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'd also like to call out my friend Baza. I think you've been talking to Baza as well. Yep. And he says this is the one song that he actually gets the lyrics all confused. And I'm actually with him because you're like, you're going, is he saying my thing, one thing, thing like my thing, one thing? Well, yeah, thing. <laughs> I mean, I even even over the years, the, the my thing part almost sort of is a bit, uh, in the in the uh, the sound um, of the the recording mm. is sort of turned down and understated a little bit. So it's one of those ones where you probably have to read the lyrics to fully understand them. But that one lyric, um, your voice is a love song. Yeah, oh, how romantic. <laughs> okay, all right, we'll take it away. I was yeah. continuing without you. Sorry. Oh, I didn't know you were playing it there. Yeah, I was watching the video. Because oh, okay. <laughs> it's enter the cats and the, the devouring and the sharing of the food. Metaphors all over. <laughs> yes. And there is a very, very pointed lyric about you've got a dozen men behind you. Mm. Uh, which and is dead, a and dead flowers on the floor. Yes, it's a very powerful end. And then look, yeah. it's that outro verse again, which is different from the starting first two verses. And again, part of that sort of song songwriting, I think, development. Um, but uh, again, it sort of evolves uh, towards that last sort of chorus there. And 
I think it's a song that I guess I think on a time frame, you know, uh, when it's all played out, uh, it never outstays its welcome. I think it's only like three minutes, 24 all up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, we, st- we see a little more of Gary in the clip, a little more of Andrew, et cetera, there, and then sort of Tim with these riffs and stuff. Uh, again, uh, it looks like that film clip was a lot of fun to make. <laughs> I know, I know. And just, just just some little bits I like to say about the video. It actually starts with the flame of the um of the candle, which is like really cool that it's a it's a desire, it's a flame. And then also Gary getting on the table and just ripping into the chicken or the bread or wherever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, there was an album uh called Beggar's Banquet by uh Rolling Stones, and the the, the notion of Beggar's Banquet and, and the word banquet seems to always resonate here and you know, the Stones had a sort of a blues sort of uh, bass rock and roll background, which in excess mirror in some songs. So I always felt that there was a bit of a crossover there with this Beggar's Banquet sort of, uh, you know, album and this film clip. So, but the clip, um, yeah. But the yeah. actual song, it just makes you just feel so desirable. If he was yeah, well, it, it, it is. It's, it's, mm. it, it, it's, it's one of these songs, you know, with Mark's production, it's quite lean and muscular and, and yeah. straight straightforward and at you. Yeah. But it still is a sexy song, isn't it? Very much so. You know? Mm. Um, and, again, you know, I think that aspect of, you know, Mark loving a, a, a singer to sell it to me, you know, sell that song, mean it. And I think Michael really does in the lyric delivery here, mm. and I think the band themselves all um, show a real musical leap from the second album to this, you know, Absolutely. start off song. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll take it out in the last bit now. nice i do need a cigarette now <laughs> <laughs> look look the, the, the song itself is a real sort of climb down i really like the vocal ending with michael sort of um it's a real brooding exit lyric towards the end and it mm. builds and builds and builds and then the the four-part timmy guitar riff on the outro and then the big definitive end all amidst the clip where everyone's getting debaucherous, the cats look like they're stoned. Okay, <laughs> uh, the band are sort of cavorting across the table, and, and the cats have had a baby because the kitten appears. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, that was fast. Yeah, but uh, but I look, yeah, I just think it's just sort of one of those sort of songs there that um, successfully combines the elements, you know, of uh, the clip uh, mirroring the song, and mm. and sometimes you know. Uh, yeah, there can be clips, you know, to songs that just seem to be completely sort of separate. But this one, I think the director captures the mood of the song, uh, the Brilliant. production and the lyric yeah. really, really well in the visuals. Yeah. And then the way he just at the end, it's Michael and he just puts his finger at you. So he makes it feel like you, but if you're a girl or a boy, <laughs> it was up to yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's all right. All right. So look, when we look back on this particular song, what sort of resonates with you now? Sort of some, what, it's actually, let me think of it, it's 40 years actually now, this song. Yeah, it's 40th I never, year. never, ever get bored of this song, ever. Yeah. I can yeah. repeat it and repeat it. You know, some songs you think, oh, you know, 
like the swing or but this one never get bored of it and never get bored of the video there's so much going on and you always learn some things like you've just learned about the blusher <laughs> well one of the things that's quite interesting is that when bands actually create a song they have two choices are we creating a song for now for current trends or are we creating a song you know a little bit for now but still going to sound great later on and uh, I know Powderfinger, you know, some listeners know the band. They've always had that as a bit of a principle. We want our songs to sound great in 20, 30 years' time, not just for now. And I think this song and the production and I think Mark, you know, probably had to stamp his feet uh, on things in the production side of it because, you know, coming in, he had, you know, coming off a, a great run of uh, recordings from a bunch of uh, fantastic artists ranging from ACDC you know, through the Angels, you know, through to uh, working with uh, Australian Crawl and Cole Chisel. And he had a, a pedigree and a stature in our industry and still does, uh, but he had real form on the board where he'd worked with seasoned artists and he knew what a good song sounded like and he probably knew, you know, some of those early in excess flourishes and bleeps and beeps, you know, probably were getting in the way of what their true strengths were. And we talked, I think, on a Pride podcast about what were the biggest musical leaps of the band. And, you know, we said going from probably X to Welcome was a massive leap. And, you know, going from, uh, you know, the Underneath the Colours album to uh, uh, Shabu Shabar was a massive leap. And the common thread in these things is that they're both Mark Opitz productions. And yes. I think Mark tests his musicians and he wants to get the best out of them and has a certain idea and a vision, mm. but not in a dictator way where the band themselves don't feel like they're part of the journey. I think. I sense the way Mark has shared his open in, insights with us that he brings the band on the journey with him. He just, just doesn't tell them, you know, it's a collaborative exercise, albeit with a you know a guy at the helm. And I, I, I sense that with this particular production it was such a massive leap from underneath the colours, you know. Um, and what a great start off song for an album be. Yeah, it's a good combination all round, isn't it? All yeah. six, all six um, musicians and, and Mark, what a great yeah. combination. Yeah. Great song. Yeah, play it, everybody. Play it again and again and again this week. Yeah. Now, as we conclude a little bit there, we spoke a little bit earlier about when Chris Murphy, you know, uh, often got a new album from NXS. He'd get on a plane and listen to it all and think about film clips and a whole bunch of things. Um I think this is sort of, as I said, a song that owes a lot to Mark, as we've said, the band's songwriting. Um, I think it owes a lot to Chris's vision a little bit too about getting the right uh, film filmmaker or video filmmaker in. Um, also having the audacity to go to America and 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 sign up the labels they did and mm -hmm. and market this song. And I think more than any other song in their catalogue, this was a life-changing song because it gave them a top 30 hit in America that even after um, the swing stiffed in America at the time, you know, they had a reference point to go, well, look, we, we've been top 40, we've, you know, we've had a hit in America, we've, we've done festivals, we've sold X amount of records. So when they went to listen like Thieves after the swing stiffed, they had a reference point of this song and a certain success level they could leverage. And then when What You Need came out, when top five, they were away. But It'd be interesting to know, would have Atlantic Records supported, you know, uh, the band on Listen Like Thieves, if not for the success they got on this particular song? So I think that's why it's quite pivotal on a marketing sense, as well as a songwriting and production sense. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a B. Well, what we're going to do today as we go out with that sort of tribute song or version is we can actually go out with a remix version of the one thing that was on the 
first Decadance or often coined oh, Dance yes. Dance uh, remix through the Atco label. So when uh, Shabu Shabat took off, they then sort of released a dance version of certain songs and extended remixes. So we're going to put on the six minute and six seconds extended version of the one thing because a lot of listeners out there haven't heard it. So. No. As a bit of a tribute to the band and the song and the pivotal nature of it, we're going to say uh, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. See you tomorrow. <laughs>